towards caring for their pastor and knowing when and how to respond to criticism. It's all in today's podcast with part two of our special guest interview with Carrie Newhoff. Informing, encouraging, and supporting your church. You're listening to the Excellence in Church Administration podcast from ECFA. Hey everyone, this is Michael Martin from ECFA and welcome back to another Excellence in Church Administration podcast. Last time we were together, we left off mid-conversation with Carrie Newhoff and our very own Warren Bird. If you haven't listened to part one of that interview, you'll definitely want to do that right now. But without further ado, let's jump right back in as Warren and Carrie had that discussion around the board's role in pastor accountability and soul care. So ECFA certifies churches, not pastors. It certifies organizations, nonprofit, Christ-centered nonprofits, not their CEOs. So we can set up standards, which we have, uh, for the organization or the church, you know, like, okay, you don't have a majority of people on your board or you have some level of financial audit or review or, or whatever. But it's the character thing with the leaders that can still go south even if the structure is being protected. So how can the board, what else can the board do to help protect their leader's soul? Ah, okay, that's an interesting question. Because I was, you and I, when we were talking before we hit record, I'm like, I don't know whether you can legislate like that. Because that's, that's a real challenge, right? Like at the end of the day, you're not responsible for my character. If you're the chair of my board, you, you, you can't make me a better person. You can't make me get on my knees and confess my sins. I, I just, that is, that is something I have to do I can make you get on your knees, but it, it can be like the, the little kid who says, you may have, may have made me sit down, but in my heart, I'm standing up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and so I think there is a voluntary thing in the heart of a leader that is their relationship with God, with Christ, and with other people. That really, at the end of the day, Warren, that's a character issue. Like that is 100%, that is a character issue. And remember, if it's bad at the board, it's even worse at home. Like that poor spouse, those poor kids, like it's, it's tough. But uh, how did you finish the question again? Because you said it really well. How can the board care for their leader's soul? Yes. Okay. Conditions. So you can create conditions. So occasionally, I don't think always, but occasionally boards will set unrealistic expectations. So they will say, you know, you need to work six days a week or six and a half days a week or there's no guardrails. I think boards have, because sometimes as a senior leader, you have trouble navigating your way to the next level. So you know what it's like to lead at 500, but you don't know what 1,000 feels like. You know 1,000, but you don't know 2,000. You know 2,000, you don't know 10,000. And if you get really good board members around you who maybe either have incredible insight or have led at a higher level than you have, which can be a challenge if you're in a big church, because... Well, who else leads 10,000 people, right? Like that that becomes a real issue. But if you can get those people in your life and you can get them on your board, they can help you see 
what you can't see. And when I start to feel squeezed, I have mentors around me. I have a personal advisory board now that I'm not the lead pastor anymore. And I have a few mentors in my life who will say, like, you know, the whole idea about I was getting tired from travel. So back to the business class example, I was just sitting at a kitchen table with the CEO of a company that, you know, privately held, but 20 million, 25 million. He's like, well, you just buy a business class ticket. And if you have to eat the difference, you eat the difference. And I'm like, because I'm thinking points and is that right? And he's like, look, you're tired. Like you're, you're working two jobs. Like just go get yourself that and you'll feel better. And I'm like, I wouldn't have come to that. Now that sounds so simple and so fundamental. Or I've had people- Well, you can make it much simpler. I did a be kind to Warren Bird's body decision last year. And that meant I'm only gonna do one 6 a.m. and one red eye if I can over the course of the year because I did an awful lot of Oh, brilliant. And, and, and I thought, okay, I can do that. I can just work with the schedules to make it happen so that I'm not getting up at 3 in the morning and then staying up late for speaking or interviewing gig or whatever. See, that's so good. I, I cut out red eyes years ago. And occasionally if you're going to Europe or whatever, you're going to be on a red eye. But then you take the next day to recalibrate. And any frequent flyer who's listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, if you flew 100,000 miles a year, you'd start to understand, okay, this is a measurable part of your life. But even like, I tend to be very loyal. So I have a lot of friends. And somebody just said to me, somebody in my life on my team said to me last month, they said, Carrie, you tend to be better to your friends than they are to you. Yeah, I know. Because all of a sudden you got 200 people asking for favors or can you do this or can you do that? And he goes, how often do you ask them for things? And I'm like, almost never. And he's like, well, you're better to your friends than they are to you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like that was convicting. And you need voices like that in your life. And all those things are said in love. I think where pastors get paranoid is we get criticized all the time. But there are different kinds of criticism. And I mean, scripture talks about it, right? You know, a a wound from a friend, uh, a rebuke from a friend is is not a rebuke. It's a gift. And uh, yeah, the troll who's living in his mother's basement who hates you and is making your life miserable on your blog, block him. Like you, 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 you're not going to change the world with that person. Well, it's or, like anonymous letters. Why don't you yeah, read an anonymous exactly, letter? If it's exactly. anonymous, you don't read it. Right. Or the, the person sitting at the back of your church who doesn't like your preaching, but doesn't give, doesn't serve, doesn't invite friends. It's like, I wouldn't put a lot of weight on that, that person's opinion. However, when someone who's aligned with your mission, who wants the church to win, who wants you to win, who has your back who cares, who loves your family, who cares about your wife and cares about you, comes to you and says, Carrie, I see some stuff. Can we talk? So how do you personally let those voices be the voices you really hear and not the cranky, squeaky wheel person that's the minority who makes the noise and yet it grates at you? So I will process, if a troll is really getting to me or an angry email is really getting to me, I'll process that with my team. And they will remind me almost instantly, like, are you kidding me? See, and I do that for friends. If you showed me this guy who hates your research and, you know, he's never, and uh, I forget exactly what the phrasing is, but I've seen this a few times in the last few months. It's like, you'll never be criticized by someone who has accomplished more than you have. 
And almost inevitably, that person who's criticizing you, when you look at what they have done with their life, it, they're not trying to process as much as you're processing. Now, you will, you will get criticism from a friend. So I will take that, that troll criticism or the unjustified. Or, and and I, I try to do what, what Scott Saul said Tim Keller does with criticism. It's like, well, is there anything I can learn from it? And the answer is, yeah, usually there is. Like, I'm not perfect, so maybe that was a little harsh, or maybe, maybe I was a little uppity, or maybe, maybe that wasn't an accurate reflection of the passage that I was trying to preach on. So, point taken. But I'm okay. Thank you. I learned from it. I prayed about it. Now I move on. But when a friend comes to you, and that's when when I think you you are you want to listen. And you as a leader, it's your responsibility to create the kind of environment where that feedback is welcome. And I had to get better at that over the years. I, you know, because at first any crit all criticism was bad criticism. And eh, that's you know, you want your path to moral failure. There it is, right there. But. What I had to learn is why because that, that oh leads because you to it a puts you well yeah it leads you and puts yourself on a pedestal you're beyond reproach nobody can challenge me so back to our earlier conversation I can do whatever I want yeah. I'm just going to do whatever I want and you can't tell me anything well that is a very dangerous space to be but my assistants worked with me for ten years. Uh, she will, and she's a two on the Enneagram, so she's very gentle about it, but she'll say, hey, I'm concerned about this, or you were out of line in this meeting, or this isn't fair. And as a leader, it's your responsibility to cultivate that kind of feedback. It's your job to say to your team, I need honest criticism from you, and I won't judge you for it. Mm. So bring it. And, you know, Jeff Henderson asked the question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? You can start there and then and then be prepared to listen and don't let your face show that you're freaking out on the inside. Freak out on the inside, but just go, thank you, Warren. Oh, so when I was in that meeting, I really looked angry and surly and and you might not even have felt that way, but that's how you came across. Or maybe you were and you're just calling me out on it. And I take notes and, and the thing that you say after you get that kind of feedback is thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if you need to go into another room and cry or rage or whatever, you do that, but you don't do that in the presence of the person and you process it before God and then you go back for further clarification. And you know, that is humility because, okay, here, here, here's, here's something. And I wrote about this and didn't see it coming, but I've been thinking a lot about humility versus humiliation. So humiliation is involuntary humility. That's all it is, right? So if I've got this giant spinach thing in my teeth um, and you're like, after we're done this interview, let's say it was video, like Carrie you had spinach in your teeth on national TV. It looks like you played hockey and you got... Which interestingly, I went to my hotel room last night and I did have spinach in my teeth. And nobody and, told and you. Nobody had told nobody me. Nobody told you. And I thought, did I get that at lunch or dinner? Or Pull out like, my phone <laughs> and just check now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You're like, what if that was breakfast? Oh, no. Uh, but you have spinach in your teeth, right? And, and so th that is a gift. That kind of criticism is a gift. And you have to cultivate it. And you have to thank people for it. And, but humiliation, that's where I was going with that. That's right. So humiliation is like, oh, I had spinach in my teeth. So what was that? What was that moment that we've all had? You thought you were up here. But the situation or the people in the room put you here. 
And that's when, when I thought I was doing a great job at the meeting, but I kind of like, I took you out and then I criticized that person. And then afterwards they said, Carrie, that was the worst meeting we have ever been to in our lives. I thought I was up here. They just put me down here and you slip and fall on the ice. You were like, ah, oh, Mr. Cool, Floop. you know, there's no dignity once you're down on the ice and you bruised everything. You thought you were up here, the situation or circumstance put you down here. And so Jesus comes along and he says, live down here, humble yourself. And I, that is a real challenge to me to stay humble because, you know, when it comes to humiliation, it's hard to fall off the floor. It's really hard to fall off the floor. If you keep yourself on the floor, you keep yourself grounded, you keep yourself humble, you do what Paul says and you think of other people as better than you, you probably are not gonna set yourself up for a fall. Mm. So let me try to land this. Uh, we framed the interview around your fantastic blog and I've, I've said publicly many times that I read your blog and listen to your podcast probably more than anybody else on about you. disruptive trends. Yeah. And yet, as we've talked about the disruptive trends, both before we cut record on and, and after, we keep coming back to this personal character stuff, yeah. which makes me almost wonder if the disruptive trends in society is not the issue, but it's the who we are and who we're becoming and how we're responding. Well, personally. I think that is the issue of life. Is that not? Like that, the ancients called this sanctification. And when you look at like, great, okay, so you're on top of online church and you've got 50,000 people in online church and you've grown to multi-site and you've got, well, the workplace culture, we started there. Um, and you're not a consumer, you're a discipleship thing. And I'm just going over the trends right now. And uh, what was the number one? Yeah, you've moved toward charismatic worship because you realize that the attractional model for the last 10 years has kind of hit its expiry date or it's aging a little bit. So you've, you've, you've done all those cultural trends and you're current with the culture, but you're a jerk. <laughs> like, come on. Like it's, it's, it's kind of over or, or there's something secret going on. Like it's, it's all for vain. It's first Corinthians 13 where Paul says, I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. You can have 79 campuses, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. And we live in an age where we're not getting away with it anymore. And that is not all bad. Now, do I believe in public shaming and piling on the person who's in the ditch? No, but the fact that we seem to be, and, and, and the world doesn't know what to do with its accountability. If you look at it, it's the weirdest thing happening in social media right now. This is another trend. This should be for 2020. But, uh, you know, it's like, oh, we don't have any morals and anything is fine. But man, if someone trips an invisible line, the public outrage is instant and the shame is massive and like it's the weirdest thing to watch because it's like well we don't believe in morals anymore oh but you just did that and now you're going down warren bird you're going down carrie newhoff and like boom 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 okay we killed that person they're dead and now we move on but we don't really have any morals anymore but wait until the next person trips up and then boom 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 see that's what happens when you remove god from the culture because everybody loses their basis for moral judgment. You don't have it anymore. And you're back into philosophically Immanuel Kant trying to say, is there a universal maxim? Or, or you're with the nihilist, you know, we're almost all nihilists now. We're almost all like existentialists going, there is no meaning. There is no 
purpose for life. We're all just biologically determined. Oh, but you do this and you're done. Like, what is that? Yeah, it's, it's like how C.S. Lewis began one of his books about the argument for God. Oh, you may not believe in God, but if you're in line for a bus and I cut in front of you, inherently you're going to think something isn't fair about this and you're going to say something about exactly. how did I get to cut in? And what is that? And of course, he uses that as an argument for God, that the existence of this moral compass points to a moral creator behind the universe, that this is sort of the imprint on the human mind. And sociologists and evolutionary biologists will try to explain that as genetic evolution. But there's some really interesting gaps in that theory when it comes to morality, because altruism is really difficult to explain from an evolutionary standpoint. Really difficult. So we could we could go on and on. We could. Carrie Newhoff, what a delight. Thank you for all you've done for church leaders, for business leaders, for others. I've got your uh, latest book right in front of me. Didn't see it coming. Overcoming the seven greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. May God just continue to keep you close to him and have those voices in your life still speaking to you uh, and, and leading us to dreaming greater dreams for what God could do through us. I appreciate your prayers. And you know, I, I think back to what we had talked about through most of this podcast, the seeds of failure are in all of us and they're in me, but so are the seeds of finishing well. And so I just hope with the daily humility and, and by the grace of God, we're more and more of us are able to finish well. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks, Warren. Wow. Well, hey, thanks again to Warren and Carrie for those awesome insights for us. And, you know, for me, the common denominator that I hear is really no matter the trends or the standards that a leader experiences, it's really all about character. Um, I love that. That is so true and timeless, no matter the circumstances. Well, after that interview, I am sure that you are going to want to hear more insights from Kerry Newhoff through the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast or by visiting his popular blog, kerrynewhoff.com. Well, thanks again for tuning in. If you like what you hear, we'd love for you to rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you so much and look forward to being with you again soon for another Excellence in Church Administration podcast.